Episode number 30, Clearing the Haze Virtual Summit Speaker Profile with Joe McGuire. Keeping today's workplace drug-free should not be confusing. This is the Clearing the Haze podcast, giving you the tools you need to most effectively address drug and alcohol use and decreased productivity in the workplace while investing in your positive company image. Now, here's your host, Chuck Marting. Thank you for being here. Happy to be here. Thank you, Chuck. Awesome. Now, I know you because we've been friends for years, but there may be some people, believe it or not, that don't know who Joe McGuire is. Um, But can you give us just a little background and uh, talk to us a little bit about what it is that you do and how you feel um, with what you're doing for the summit, how that's going to apply to people when they come to it? Sure, absolutely. would love to. Um, Well, I've been in the field of uh, workplace and community drug and alcohol testing for a little over 10 years now. Hard to believe. I was thinking about that the other day. It's gone by so fast. And I kind of came into it through an interesting route. I was in um, risk prevention and education for several years and did um, some community safety programs and mostly uh, youth education in schools. And I was involved in some school safety stuff and um, we was uh, managing a program under Colorado Department of Homeland Security for a while. And one of the things that we kept seeing over and over again was when there were violent incidents, there was drug and alcohol use for, for kids and for adults. Um, but, but it was grant funded and <clears throat> it was a nonprofit. And so the, the funding you know, got dicey when the economy tanked. And I went to work for one of our board members in drug and alcohol testing. And I I really wanted to continue that education piece. And uh, as you know, a big part of drug and alcohol testing is policy writing for employers uh, to help them understand, you know, what are the best policies to have in place. And so I, I was excelling there and and became a trainer. And, um, and so employers started asking me, Uh, what to do about medical marijuana in the workplace. So this was before we did recreational marijuana in the state of Colorado, where I'm from. And um, so I put together a presentation on how to handle that. And I had been doing that for a few years when someone said to me, you know, you know so much about this topic, you really should uh, start talking about what's going to happen when Amendment 64 passes in Colorado, which was to legalize adult use marijuana. And I, I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, I, I didn't think anything was like that was possible here. And um, so this gentleman actually worked for Rocky Mountain High Intensity Drug Trafficking Area. We were at a community prevention meeting to find alternative solutions for youth, um, youth activities to engage kids around the 420 uh, celebrations that yeah. were taking place, the big, you know, uh, disobedient smoke out things. Yeah. And so that's what we were doing. We were just trying to find things for kids to do to engage them and keep them out of that, you know, culture. And um, it turns out that was 2012. And that was the year that we passed Amendment 64. So my whole career in drug and alcohol uh, testing, um, which I've still been involved in to this day. I mean, I went last week and did 75 uh, pre-employment drug tests for someone in our industry. Holy cow. Yeah. Um, but I I really started um, publicly engaging on this is what will happen to workplace if we go down this path. And I'm telling you, 
uh, here, here we are eight years later and everything I said was exactly the way that I suspected it would be. So through that time anyway, the public speaking really kicked up um, to go and educate communities, the United Nations, other countries, other states that are considering changing their laws. Um, I, I, you know, it's it really just kind of took off. And, and so then in light of that, um, with a group of of friends and, and professional colleagues, um, I launched the National Drug and Alcohol Screening Association to advocate for employers' rights to maintain safe and drug-free workplaces and community leaders to to continue. And uh, of course, um, that was that was two years ago that we launched, and here we are now. I'm the executive director of the association, and you're one of my board members. And um, we, we're just doing amazing things. So I, I, I kind of blended it all together to keep this um, wonderful passion going. For yeah. it, it, it's really uh, about helping people understand the healthiest way uh, of living, and and of course, I always um, try to. Make sure people understand that while this is a professional passion for me, I am the mother of an addict. And so I use my personal story to help people understand that we're real people and um, real people struggling with these issues need help and compassion and, and better solutions. And we can do that together. So that's that's that in a nutshell. Awesome. Well, and I think that you bring such a, a neat perspective with your background and everything else to this summit. You know, one of the things that, that you touched on that I wanted to talk to you a little bit about is um, our clients and the general public, how out of touch um, they are on some of the issues that they're dealing with within their own workplace. I think a lot of them don't understand, one, what to be looking for, number two, what it is that's going on in their workplace. How do we, how do we help them in, the, in those situations um, to realize and to, and to understand that there's more to this than what they're hearing from the public? You are so right uh, that when, when we have the opportunity to educate employers, and we, we often do that through um, training on the signs and symptoms of substance abuse. Sometimes it's about how do we handle changing marijuana laws in our state um, in our policies. Can you just come and talk to us? And I will never, ever talk about the state laws without first um, sharing with them what contemporary cannabis looks like, what current marijuana trends are, what their employees are actually using and engaging in, how it's changed. It's not just a little pot. And and I got to tell you, they are always shocked. And and many, many times they'll say, I thought I was coming here just to talk about what I should do with my policy. And you changed my whole perspective on this thing because I had no idea what was going on. It's a challenge. Uh, it, it's a challenge because employers, um, whether small business or large corporation, they are so focused on doing what they do best professionally, which we want them to be, um, they don't have the time or the interest to become drug experts. I mean, it's ridiculous that they have to be. But that's truly what is taking place in our culture. We're shifting it so that if they're not somewhat of an expert or have someone in their company who is, they are in a world of hurt and they're 
there's money pouring out the back door that they're unaware of due to the effects of employee substance use and creating that um, that awareness for them and helping them understand how to hold those boundaries is, I mean, it's just something we have to keep doing and finding new avenues and ways to do it because, um, like I said, they're they're focused on their job and they shouldn't have to focus on this, but they do. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that I've I've come across too, and and I wanted to ask you about on your perspective of this, having been the executive director, you're still the executive director of, of Indesa right now. Um, you have a lot of different perspectives that are coming from not only employers, but also collectors as well. And I think we sometimes forget about our collectors and what it is that they need to know. I, I find that a lot of them that I have talked to, I've had an opportunity to speak with, are just as confused as some of our clients are. So how do we address that and how do we help them to understand that it's just not what they hear in the news? What we're hearing in the news and what we're seeing is what they want us to hear. How do we address the other end of this that we're talking about with this summit with unmasking the the camouflage of marijuana and, and how it affects all of us? I think one of the greatest challenges is trying to get people to engage because they think they already know everything there is to know about this. And you are exactly right um, about it's what the media wants you to know. The media is driving a story about cannabis. Um, well, I, I say the media, um, really, the, the roots of this go back to normal national organization to reform marijuana laws who formed in the 70s, 60s or 70s. And um they created a narrative that they've been driving home for decades and really they have become um, the go-to all all their talking points are the go-to narrative that the media uses. And I don't, I don't know that I always believe that that's some type of intentional um, messaging that is done in tandem with normal. I just think it's the information that they can find because normal has spent this incredible, I mean, you know, 40 years uh, um, planting these seeds and flooding the the market, if you will, um, the media market with these these messages. So when you Google, that's what you find. Um, they're they're so um, proliferate at this that our voice, you know, we weren't paying attention because we thought, well, everybody knows that this isn't healthy or <laughs> safe or, you know, so so we kind of all um, uh, went along on the assumption that this is common sense. And then all of a sudden, when this tide started shifting because of the whole medical marijuana um, uh, drumbeat that, that sort of made this socially acceptable, uh now we find ourselves way behind the curve on education. And so people are very confused. Like, well, I can find, you know, 5,000 articles on Google that say this is harmless and safe and, and just like a glass of wine with dinner. But now you come along and have a couple hundred articles on why it's not, who should I believe? Why should I believe you? So we're, we're behind the curve on, on this. um, But, but the truth is on our side. I mean, when it comes down to it, this is drug use. Well, it seems like all this, all the studies, all of the clinical studies that have been done in the past have just kind of faded off and we no longer remember them. 
And right. what's valid now is what's being told right now. Um, one of the things that I just got done speaking on in the last episode of Clearing the Haze was the dispensaries and the liquor stores right now being given the status of being um, a business that is needed right now, that they have that green light to do this. And I gave my perspective on this as far as addicts and what are we doing to our addicts? What are we doing to people that didn't have that opportunity of trying that stuff or even drinking or anything like that? Now they're doing it because there's nobody watching. Right. Do you do you see uh, what is the biggest issue you see coming out of this for not only our communities, but also for our clients and our, our drug testing facilities right now as a result of this? Right. So here we are. Um, we are in a global pandemic with COVID-19. We're on lockdown. We all have to wear our masks in public. <laughs> I'm glad I don't have to wear it in this interview. In this interview, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, you know, we're, we're determining what's essential and non-essential and, um, and liquor stores and marijuana retail shops and uh, are essential where many service industries that you would think would be essential are not. So it's, it's mind boggling. Well, and here in Denver, um, the and, mayor had originally said that they weren't. And right. then within 24 hours, he backpedaled on that. Down, and said, now they're essential. Because yeah, because there's big money talking there and telling them, oh, no, you don't. Yeah. Uh, so um, what do I think? Well, there was a survey done um, recently that uh, I posted on my Facebook page that uh, a, a good majority of employees that are working from home right now are are saying they're drinking alcohol through the day. Yeah. The lines, I mean, you and I have seen photos in Colorado of the lines at the pot shops going around the block. Yep, exactly. Because um, people are just storming the stores to get all their pots so they can stay home and cope, right? Mm -hmm. So what are we doing to our employees? What we're saying to them is, um, we understand you don't have any good coping skills, so let's everybody just zone out on drugs and alcohol during the time when you're locked in your house. Uh, listen, all this does is it increases depression, it increases anxiety. It, it removes the ability to think critically and creatively to find healthy ways of dealing with um, really an historical event that we've never seen the likes of. Um, and, and what a sad thing that, you know, typically those who fall into addiction are our most creative and sensitive minds. It's just, there's something about the personality and the way the brain works and whatnot and here we are robbing ourselves of those people who could find the most effective creative solutions for for dealing with this utterly historical event and just saying, go over there and zone out in the corner mm -hmm. and um, feed your addiction or create a, a new addiction out of someone who maybe just, you know, was a social user. It's devastating to me yeah. um, to think that that we're encouraging that as a solution rather than here we 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 watch these press conferences every day of all the these doctors and world leaders on how to you know do the hand washing and the distancing and all these better ways for health and yet also feeding drugs and alcohol yeah. you know 
it's just so contradictory and ridiculous that in the midst of also a, a national opioid crisis, this would and should be a really good time to see that drop drastically. But no, it's it's going to go through the roof, yep. and we will see a greater um, risk uh, uh, of use. Not risk. I mean, a greater rate of um, of use and addiction out of this. Um, because we've learned that lesson historically, that's what happens. And as you mentioned, the science is on our side here. Mm-hmm. So it's it's mind-boggling, Chuck. And and what it says is you and I, we, unfortunately, sadly, it'll give us job security for a long time doing what we do. Mm-hmm. But I'd rather be, you know, finding another job and not have to do this. But we'll just keep doing it because we do care about people. And we care more than those who are peddling the drugs. Well, one of the things that I, I addressed was employers being aware of this because these are individuals that are going to be coming back to work. And yeah. if they require them to take a drug test because they've been gone for so long or they ask them to go ahead and do a drug test, mm-hmm. my fear is that we're going to see our use of synthetic urine and stuff like that skyrocket. And we've already experienced that here in our office right now with just essential businesses hiring people. And even yeah. with businesses that do not test for marijuana, these guys think they're being lied to and being set up, and they'll still bring it just as an insurance policy. So yeah. I can see it coming from both ends. The those that are going to be that are already addicted, they're going to relapse, and mm-hmm. those individuals are taking the opportunity to relieve stress in a way that uh, they normally wouldn't do. But there's nobody else around to answer for it. So exactly. that's that's what we're seeing. So one of the things is we're we're very grateful and, and blessed to have you um, as one of the speakers in the summit. And I just wanted to just address what is it that you're going to be speaking on? If you can just give us a little taste of what we have to look forward to your session uh, in the uh, virtual summit that we're putting on. Well, I am very excited about this virtual summit. And while I could address a variety of topics, <laughs> we had such a pool of amazing professionals to choose from. Um, I offered you one that I started doing last year. I started um, this presentation for parents and it's vaping and marijuana, safe solution or hidden risk. Wow. And I was asked to go and present this at a very large school in Denver. And they said, can you talk about this topic? Because, you know, they were bringing in an, another speaker that you're also having for the summit who was presenting on my normal topic that I talk about. And, um, but he's amazing. Ben court um, is absolutely amazing. And I said, yeah, you let Ben do that. And how about I, I do this. And so I started digging into vaping. And then I also um, heard several presentations from another colleague of mine. who's a pharmacist and um, we couldn't get him for this because he is, a pulmonary specialist as well. And he's so um, dug in deep with emergency rooms uh, visits and stuff. But um, I got to tell you this, the information that I learned about vaping and what is known about the harms to the lungs and the risks, and then combining that um, with marijuana and actually anymore, people are vaping everything. I mean, it's not just nicotine and marijuana. They're, they're, they're able to drop crack in there and the whole nine yards. Um, it is utterly terrifying. It, it really is. And I, I hate to use these huge words, but 
I have to tell you that I I keep waiting for them to make a big connection with COVID-19 and the young people that are being affected and vaping use. And, and man, are they really trying not to do it? But I think there has to be a strong connection there because of the, um, how it weakens the lungs. Yeah. And, um, so, and one of the things that I will do during this presentation is go back and show the, the complete side-by-side parallels of how tobacco was marketed and brought to us and, um, and promised safe solutions for, um, for smoking cessation through vaping. And that, and I mean, the promos, the advertising, the wording, the, the marketing, it is everything that was used for tobacco cigarettes, um, 20 or a hundred years ago, sorry, a hundred years ago. And, um, we are just buying it hook, line and sinker thinking it's safe. It's safe. It's safe. It's a better solution. And we're being idiots. Does it remind you of what we've heard about marijuana, that it's safe and everything's okay and you can go ahead and do this. You can't get addicted to it. You can't do this. It sounds like the same similar story that we've got from normal and all these other marijuana people. You can literally take the playbook and just lay it over the top and it's identical. Wow. And and don't think that big tobacco isn't behind this <laughs> because it's all about money, money, money. Yep. And it's not money for our communities and our schools. That's a lie. <laughs> it's money for the Wall Street investors yep. who are prepared to take this right out of your pocket and profit from addiction. That's all it is. And and I'm going to tell you, as sure as we are sitting here, you know, whether it takes a decade or two. We're going to have the same congressional hearings with people sitting in front of Congress saying, did you know that this was harmful and addictive? And they'll swear they didn't. And all the documentation will come out that they totally did and lied. And um, we'll have reparations just like we've had with Big Tobacco. And we'll have to have campaigns and promotions to educate the public about it. But right now it's a heyday of money and we're looking the other way and we'll to sleep. So, um I'm just going to keep sounding that horn, but I'm really looking forward to this um, presentation and I appreciate the opportunity and the whole summit is going to be amazing and I will be watching everybody. Awesome. Well, I, I'm excited to just see your presentation because I've been to several of your presentations and they are very good and I've always come away from them learning something that I thought I, you know, I just didn't know. And so I, I think that's going to be one of the, one of the things that people are going to find in attending your session is that they're going to learn something that they didn't know before. That's really, truly not only going to help them, but help their clients, help their family, help other people. And that's the whole point of this. Um, Joe, one of the things that I do when I wrap up our interviews with people, because I don't want to go any further with your topic because I don't want to give too much away to people. I want them to be able to attend and and realize the strength and the power of that presentation. But Mm -hmm. one of the things that I do is I always ask people, what is it that Joe McGuire is reading right now that's giving you uh, strength or giving you more knowledge and understanding that if you were to talk to somebody else besides me or somebody out on the street and you were in casual conversation, would you say, man, you've really got to read this. This really will help you. Well, I, I I have to tell you, um, actually maybe I should say, I have to tell your audience, you know, this very well that, um, a month ago, 
Uh, we were at a huge conference in Jacksonville, Florida for our industry. And uh, we were, the, the pandemic was declared like four hours after our conference ended. <laughs> so we were living on the edge. But um, our keynote speaker on day one was Mike Lindell. And, uh, you know, I had known Mike was coming to our conference for months and I knew he was going to uh, roll out his book. Um, and I actually have have one here. Uh, what are the odds from uh, crack addict to CEO? And uh, and I, I knew that was coming, blah, blah, blah. You know, and it was like I, I was so busy, um, like promoting the conference and, and just getting all the you know, technical stuff done for it as one of the planners of it that um, I really didn't dig down into Mike or his story. And uh, the night before Mike addressed us, I had the opportunity to sit down and have dinner with him with a few other people. And I have to tell you, this man is so genuine and passionate. We think he's passionate for pillows. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it has, listen, I... You know, I hate to say this publicly as I'm promoting his book. I don't have one of those pillows. I know I need to get one. But I'm not here to promote that. I'm yeah. just telling you that that sitting across from him for a few hours yeah. and picking his brain and saying, you know, like what, uh, how did this happen to you, and how did you get here, and and what, um you know, how do you run your business and what are the things you look for and what do you do about employees who use substances and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I, this book is, is just so fabulous. His story is fabulous. His passion for wanting to help people and see them get into recovery. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's rolling out the Lindell recovery network soon. I mean, right now I think things may have gotten sidetracked, but I will also say with everything that you and I just talked about with employees at home and, and using substances, his whole recovery network is going to be an online tool that they can use through an app. Wow. And we are going to need that now more than ever. But, but let's go back to being a CEO because I'm also the CEO of my own company, even yeah, though I'm, are. yeah, the executive director of Indesa, I have um, real marijuana facts.org, joemaguire.org. It's, Five minutes of courage, blah blah blah. But anyway, we'll, we'll have all that in the show notes so people will be able yeah, to we'll go check you out. But Mike um, runs his business. He is involved in absolutely everyday operations, every detail. He has a complete system, and you don't veer from the system. If it goes on track, he comes in and he fixes it immediately, and he deals with it one on one immediately, right then. Not a not a manager, not a director, not an assistant or so he himself. Wow. And he said, um, I've tried it a few other ways and we started going off the rails and we had to correct it. So we have one way of doing things and this is the way we do it. And it works. And his people are invested in that because they see that it works and they know that he cares and he takes care of his people, which is another huge thing. Um, and, and I'll just mention in his story, which is crazy. Mike's story is crazy. Um, he uh, has some of his former dealers who have gotten sober and are his best employees. Wow. 
And and he told them when he was a crack addict, one of these days, I'm going to get clean and sober. I'm going to be successful. I'm going to have this recovery network and you're going to come to work for me. Wow. <laughs> like it's, so it's inspiring. It's um, positive. It's upbeat. It's about a, a, one of the, I mean, the most successful CEOs in the world um, at this time. And it's it's just an uplifting, inspiring story. And I'm enjoying it very much. And in addition to having the opportunity to get to meet the man, um, yeah. which was a real privilege. Yeah, we got to meet him as well while we were at the at the conference, and, and he does have a very compelling story. In and that book is it's very powerful. I've started reading mm-hmm. it a little bit, but I've got like several different books that I'm reading all at the same time, so I haven't right. haven't really got deep into it, but I will now, especially I, with what you're saying. Yeah, so. me too. I, I have several, and when you when you ask that question, I had to go. La, la, la. <laughs> um, but the other thing I, I can't neglect to say, because just out of respect for Mike, his faith journey is a significant yes. portion of his story, and he talks about that unashamedly. And um, well, I'm attacked I, right I, now because of it. Oh, yeah. being so attacked, and um, so. I, I really want to say that that just comes from all sincerity with him, and um, it's a very powerful part of his message, and I support him in that, and I know you do as well. Yeah. So we have to remember that that's what's getting us through this time is is faith, and um, so we're all here to you know get through it and. Um, thank you so much for this time to chat with you, Chuck. It's been wonderful, and awesome. I'm glad we can do it virtually. Yes, this is going to be cool. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd like to just end this session or this podcast episode with you by taking a moment just to acknowledge you and thank you for all the hard work and all the things that you do and, and how impactful you've been in our industry. And I think that as people not only hear this podcast, but but when they go to your your seminar or your episode of the seminar, your session, there we go, that mm-hmm. they're going to see your passion and your drive and your heart. And I think that's that's the true thing that that's going to come through is that this just isn't something you're just doing just to do. This is something that you really believe in and mm-hmm. you're passionate about. And, and that makes the difference in all this. And so I've known you for a lot of years and, and I appreciate you. And I just wanted to acknowledge all your hard work and everything that Thank you've you. done. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Clearing the Haze with our featured guest, Joe McGuire, one of our summit speakers that will be presenting at the Clearing the Haze virtual summit, Unmasking the Marijuana Camouflage. Over the next few weeks, we will be featuring speakers who will be presenting at the virtual summit, just so you can get an idea of who it is that will be presenting and the topics that will be presented. But until next episode... I want to thank you for tuning in and sharing this with your friends. And remember, it's your vision, it's your dream, and it's your business. Take care.